Welcome back everybody to the Rogue Retro Smackdown Review. I am your usual host, Scott McLeod, continuing the road to No Way Out 2000. Here we have the, the 17th of February episode of Smackdown to talk about the fallout from the Valentine's Day episode of Raw, the Radicals, uh, Too Cool, Rock, Mankind, and basically everybody is up against DX and the Radicals. And much I'm enjoying by man who's looking back on this for the first time in a long time, in a time where he wasn't so undisputed as he is now, uh, as James Wolfe joined me once. I mean, let's let's be honest. I've always been undisputed. <laughs> no, it's good to be back. Uh, looking back at two thousand, you know, this is a, a time that I sort of started to fall out of love with wrestling when I kept watching it. Um, so it's been interesting going back, uh, looking at all these classic moments. I use that very loosely <laughs> uh, from two thousand with you. And we're yeah. February now, February 17th. Good old times. Mm-hmm. And firstly, before we dive into SmackDown, I need to have a, a recap of what I've done raw. Absolutely. Fill me in, man. Fill me in. If this was on your podcast, we'd have some fancy like transition, but no, no time for that. No time for the thrills <laughs> over here. Hey, I recorded a lot of them jingles myself, just for shits and giggles. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got to fill the lockdown with something, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, we continue the same story that I said with the Radicals and DX. They open the show, Tori comes out with a neck brace on, you know, still, you know, carrying on what a trooper, you know, unlike bloody BB who buggers off never to be seen again. And she puts her one little table. But no, Tori takes the tombstone and is back at work the next week. Huh. Well, you, don't get paid, you don't get paid sick leave, mate, so... Uh, certainly not. And Stephanie puts the blame where she feels that right foot belongs on the fans. She claims it's their fault for encouraging Kane to do what he did. And it's all on them. Triple H said that they've been too kind to their enemies so far. And basically does exactly the same thing he did last week on SmackDown. And what he's going to do on this episode of SmackDown we do. So basically, how many variations of us versus them can we do? Mm, and I remember this episode really well actually because it was so bad he <laughs> <laughs> uh, calls Kane a, a, a burnt freak he says how he expects more of a man of him than he, than he is and also can't resist as he doesn't imagine calling him the big red retard oh yes yeah it was for, far too often uh, we had Rear Dog defeating Grandmaster Sexy after he, he took advantage of Grandmaster Sexy missing a leg drop and hit him with the pump handle slam. I, I had to say, always looks shit, no matter what he did. But he, then, then later on, we had Scotty Tuhati versus Billy Gunn. And after some distraction with uh, Grandmaster Sexy, Scotty Tuhati actually managed to get a stack up and, and actually beat Billy Gunn, which I was not expecting so good on Scotty. Uh, we had The Rock versus Chris Benoit. And. Big Show actually interfered after returning from his so-called vacation in Hawaii and actually helped Benoit defeat The Rock. So, you know, you can tell. I know we said last week that it didn't seem like they had big plans for Saturn, even though allegedly the prospective assistance they did have. Like, they saw big things in Perry Saturn, but they did say they saw big things in Benoit. And that's a testament here. Two weeks into the company, and he pins The Rock in 2000 of all years. Yeah. It's an interesting thing, really, looking back at this time, that, like, 
there's always been this feeling that they never pushed Benoit or whatever, and, and that that's part of the reason why there was such an outpouring of support for when he finally won the title. But actually, when you go back and look at it, he gets a lot of opportunities, and he gets pushed quite a lot. He's just not that good. I, in, in ring, great, fine. But that's not what gets you over in the WWE. Mm-hmm. Stroke F, you know. Um, and he just does not have it where it counts. But we'll come to it. Yeah, and it is a big deal. Like, when they get a win over the Rock, even though it wasn't clean. And when you really look at it, it's just a continuation of The Rock versus Big Show. Because The Rock then goes immediately after Big Show after the match. doesn't really sell the fact that he lost. Because Benoit, much like the, the rest of the Rackles, they're just minions to, to DX and to Triple H. So it's not really doing much for him. And he does have a title shot later in the year, which I've actually rewatched fairly recently. And that match is much better. So, yeah, 2000, they do like tease bigger things for Benoit. But, yeah, he wouldn't achieve them until uh, much later. I remember fondly watching those, them at the time. Mm. We have uh, Rikishi taking on Malenko and Per Satin in a handicap match. Uh, but somehow he managed to easily fend them off. Hitting them all sorts, hitting them with stink faces. I think this is one of the first things I've ever seen them hit a stink face, but it's not really referred to as a stink face, it's just rubbing his ass in their face. Uh, he has a pop up cutter, he goes for the Rikishi driver, and he even attempts to do a double version of the bonsai, but Eddie Guerrero takes out his leg with a pipe, which will carry on to uh, a storyline on this week's SmackDown. And finally, in the main event, Kane takes on Triple H and Big Show in a handicap match. Uh, it was announced that Triple H said that show, you can have your no old fired match at the X pocket, no way out, if you beat me and a partner of my choosing. And obviously it was real to be the big show. But then also The Rock comes out as well as Cactus Jack because they've got issues with Triple H and Big Show. They help Kane win and uh, Kane gets his match with X Pock. Obviously much to X Pock's chagrin because he doesn't want anything to do with Kane. Well, no. And also uh, a noteworthy match because it ties into what happens in the opening segment. There was a triple threat match with Devon Dudley versus Edge versus Jeff Hardy. And it was, it was announced that whoever won in this match, their team would uh, challenge the New Age Outlaws for the tag team titles at uh, No Way Out. And Devon Dudley, I think, in a reverse DD uh, on Edge, I believe, after taking advantage of Edge taking out Jeff Hardy with a spear. The Dudleys now have a title shot against the New Age Outlaws at. Uh, the new age it was that no way out. Good for Devo and that advocate for the LGBT community. <laughs> oh my god, what a mess that was! I know. I, I know when I make reference like that, it immediately dates you know episodes like this going forward. But like, it was just a fucking stupid decision. Now, like, of all the things to try and catch the the so-called dirties that with, don't claim to be gay when you're when you're not, because you're just going to cause yourself a shit storm of controversy regardless. Yeah. And, and, and like, f- thankfully, we're at the stage now where, well, A, uh, a lot of the dirt sheets recognise when you're talking bullshit, which is, generally speaking, whenever he's opening his mouth. Um, <laughs> and also, like, it's not really news. Like, yeah. nobody really cares. Like, great. If you're gay, great. Wonderful. Whatever. You be you, mate. But no one's gonna get in the knickers in a twist over it. Mm-hmm. Like I think he think he think he thought that there was gonna be like a mad, uh, mad outbreak of like you know oh you know, whatever. Yeah. But people just were like yeah whatever. Yeah, he's really taking the uh, the idea of no publicity 
of uh, any publicity, good publicity, to uh, a, a really extreme level because this was not good publicity in any way. <laughs> no, not at all. Anyway, enough of those damn Dudleys. On a the opening of SmackDown, and we have uh, the debut of the DX Express, a giant bus pulls up outside of the arena. Only the second best express in wrestling after the, L- the Lex Express from 1993. He just wanted to be our hero. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was thinking that was the same bus, wasn't it? Uh, possibly. I um, think it was. I'm sure I remember hearing it was the same bus. It looks very similar. I'd have probably got it from the same place. Uh, no, I think, it's, I think it legitimately is the same bus. I think it's the... They, they, like, they keep all this stuff in... in uh, uh, in in storage, you know. Um, so, like, I think I think it's the same bus that they just respread. I think, unlike Luger, though, he legit had to like stay on that bus apparently, uh, for, like the whole like publicity tour. Uh, he was driving around, sleeping on the bus, and I think they made a small like documentary about it at the time. And he clearly looks miserable by the time Summer Sun comes around. He's been spending almost the entire summer on this bus and. I believe he's said to be profiled in that uh, upcoming uh, upcoming WWE Icon series. Yes, uh, I'm 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 about three quarters of a way through the Yokozuna one so far. Absolutely excellent show. Mm, I mean, WWE does a really good job of all these documentaries. I'm really enjoying this one. As well as I like on when you get to the bit about Mania Nine, you have Roman there for a bit. You yeah. also got Bruce Prichard blatantly called, talking about yeah, it was a bad decision for Hogan to come out and beat him immediately. Yeah, and then you've got Hogan using his usual typical bullshitting, um, mm-hmm. you know. But even even Hogan accepted that it was a misstep, which is surprising for somebody like Hogan. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, it, it it really was like a, a terrible decision. But there you go. Yeah. So um, what I was meaning is that I believe obviously we'll hear more about the Lake Express, the, the tour, and everything that happened with that bus on that documentary. I can imagine also. I, to be honest, from I would imagine the sorts of things that you, that happened on the Lex Express, I probably best saved for a Dark Side of the Ring episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, or some family viewing. <laughs> but obviously, we have the typical opening when uh, Triple H is on top as the heel. Out comes all the heels to talk for a good 15, 20 minutes. Oh. And I know it was going to be that long because I checked the timestamps. At the bottom of the episode, I thought, oh, good, settle in, lads. It's going to be a long one. Oh, uh, this is so boring. And basically all it was is them basically addressing the fact that they're all, they've all got matches at, at No Way Out and talking briefly about their opponents. You know, they was saying that they're not intimidated by the Dudleys. We're not just a couple of broads. We're not some blonde-headed EMT, and we're not scared of you because you put some women through tables. Xbox. Is angry about face game. He just looks at Triple H like, "Yeah, thanks for that, pal." Like, I don't bit having any face game. He says, oh, "I'm good." He's gonna help beat him anyway. Triple H then reminisces at the time he, the last time he faced Cactus Jack, and he says, "Oh, he's gonna take Cactus Jack's dream away from him because Triple H's dream is a is a WWF without Cactus Jack in it." And then basically it becomes a big dick measuring contest because then you got Triple H saying, "You know what?" I'll make it up to you. I'll take out Kane for you so you can have what's left of him at no way out. And so Xbox goes, no, that's not quite good enough. And you put your money where your mouth is and put the title on the line. And the crowd are like, oh. And uh, 
Rovers agrees I'll put the title on the line and then Nesbot tries to do him a favour and says, I'll fight Curtis Jack for you. Yeah, but Curtis Jack, he's not an ordinary wrestler. He's, you know, they want to beat Curtis Jack. You had to beat him in his own game, man. You take him on in a hardcore match. And so he agrees to it and then they just turn to the outlaws and say, like, oh God, do we need to do something as well? And he's like, well, you guys, why don't you guys defend the title tonight? You're going to face The Rock, the region, and his partner, The Big Show. And then they smile because they knew, as anybody with common sense knew, that this was going to go very wrong for The Rock. I mean, TV Wonder could have saw the main event finish coming a mile away. <laughs> and isn't it lovely? No, no, it's not. No, it's not. Oh, is there anything really that can be said about this? Uh, um, I mean, well, I, I think... Um... I, I think there's not that much that can be said in words. Um, I think it can be best summed up with... <laughs> Our managers went on and on, and I, they didn't really say anything that was anything important. And they just watched it and thinking, oh, we're in for another night of McMahon-Helmsley raging bollocks with Triple H swinging his creative dick out all over the place saying making sure that he's the most important thing in the world, even though he's quite clearly not. Um, X-Pac being shit, because uh, he just is, on the, especially on the mic, and at this point he's not really that good in the ring either. Um, I just don't care. It just dragged. and it was, Again, you know, we talked about this when we reviewed the last week's SmackDown. This was why I was really struggling watching wrestling at this time, because they were just... It's not good heat for me. Like I saw some people say, "Oh, any heat's good heat" and all that stuff. And I think the idea of any heat's good heat shows how bad um, a period we've been in for people actually getting real heat, uh, mm-hmm. which isn't easy to do anymore because people just trying to cheer the good bad guys. But like this is bad heat. This is this is go away, get off my TV. I am bored. I do not want to watch. This is Randy Orton with his headlocks. Go away heat. <laughs> Like, I just don't care. I don't want to watch it. It's boring. Like, you don't say anything important. It could have been said in, like, half the flipping time. Um, Oh, yeah. Drizzling shits. Not a good start. To to briefly play devil's advocate uh, for a second, uh, what is actually said in the promo isn't entirely terrible because obviously Xbox, with all sense of the world, shouldn't want to get in the ring with Kane after what he's done. Triple H, what he said about firstly you know, trying to take away Curtis Jack's dream away from him and obviously upset all the fans by getting rid of Mick Foley, who's still one of the most loved guys in the company. That's fair enough. I'm actually looking forward to uh, Outlaws versus Dudley's because the match, uh, I think, only ever happens once. I think a lot of people forget that it happened. And, like, it's especially interesting because, obviously, the Outlaws are one of the more decorated teams of the that era and Dudley's are still you get many of the accolades that they will go on to get so it's an interesting time in both uh, the careers of both teams but and also like, I like the idea like Smackdown is regularly does this like where it does a segment that sets up multiple things for the end of the night especially the main event having said that ever since DX got back together in like October especially it's got worse since uh, Stephanie got involved with them this has been the same thing on a weekly basis, so it's me frustrating for you remembering this, but you've only had to tune back in for these two episodes. This has been my weekly occurrence almost oh, since October. I don't know how you're doing it, I'll be honest. But like last week, it was they did it all backstage in like 
two minutes. Which All of good. this, that you know, it was great. Last week it was like, oh, right, that, that is how easy it is. Uh, and this week it was like, let's see how much we can drag it out. I, and you're right. Like the 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 psychology makes sense, the character work makes sense, and what they're doing makes sense. But oh, it just went on. And like you say, Stevie Woody Wonder knew what was coming on with the 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 main event. Like, and it's just like I get that there comes a time where heels have got to have the advantage because you want to see them get beat and stuff. But it's just. It's just all heels getting advantage. Like, who's standing up against them? Nobody really that's being terribly effective at this point. Um, yeah, no, it, it was it was dull. But anyway. Anyway, it, we got backstage to uh, the Hollies running mm-hmm. to Mark Henry and Mae Young. And basically, Hargo Holly is disgusted with the relationship of uh, of Mark Henry and, and Mae Young. I was had to introduce some cringeworthy segments on Raw of Mark Henry and Ray Young in a hotel room together because it was Valentine's Day. The most cringeworthy but also kind of funny thing is the fact that Ray Young said she had edible underwear and then the lights go out and all you can hear is Mark Henry sounding in a happiest voice I've ever heard saying, hmm, tootie fruity. <laughs> I love these two. This this made this episode worth watching. I love these two, and, and obviously we'll talk about the segments later on. But what she goes on to do with the APA is absolutely legendary. I love May Young. And then obviously let's do, let's do a bit of a brawl because uh, Mark Henry claims that the uh, that the Hollies are just jealous because they're not getting any. And like, I wouldn't go near her. She's got more hands out of the door now. <laughs> Mark Henry takes sense in this, and then there's a bit of a brawl, even knocking me young down, which will lead to interaction with the the APA later on. But clearly, when somebody was working out the scheduling and the match structure for uh, this week's SmackDown, they clearly weren't used to using a computer yet in 2000, because they clearly must have accidentally alt deleted uh, a section of the script because Triple H is already back out here, does the full entrance and everything, because his WFA match with Kane is the first actual match of the show we get. Which this just feels so worse about face. Um, it it does, yeah. I mean, there's all you put. It tells you straight away what's going to happen. Like the the match placement, you know, there's going to be shenanigans. You know, it's not going to be clean. I mean, you you probably knew that before when it was announced anyway. But the fact that it was when it was definitely adds to the feeling that this is what's going to happen. Um, it also doesn't make sense that Triple H was out, went back, and then came back out again, but that's wrestling. Got to get his entrance in, man. He's got to get himself over. He needs some time on TV. He's not getting enough of it. Yeah, I know. I mean, people are going to start to ask, where's Triple H? Exactly. <laughs> it's not just, like, because Triple H is back out, because, like, obviously, better choice to still be in the ring, waiting for Kane, and then Kane comes out to start the match. But, like, also the fact that it's the WWF title, and, you know, I don't want to be, like, a stickler for all that, but, like, I don't, it doesn't need to main event SmackDown, uh, but at least have it in the middle of the show. Because I remember back in October, they were leading up to the, the Triple Threat match that was definitely going to happen between Austin, Rock, and Triple H. And they all had to have like matches on an episode of SmackDown. It was Rock and Austin putting their, uh, their spots in the Triple Threat on the line against separate people. And then they said, oh yeah, now Triple H has to defend the title. And they got put up against Al Snow. And Triple H's match was on first of those three. I don't know if it was just because it was Al Snow or whatever, but it still doesn't matter who it's defended against. Like, 
the title should not be the first match you see on the show, like well, not on TV at least. I don't mind sometimes opening a pay per view depends on the circumstance. Yeah, um, I get that. I mean, um, I was slightly terrified by the fact that the WWE title match opened the Royal Rumble. Um, Mm-hmm. And I think on a Rumble pay-per-view, then it doesn't really matter um, about the, the title placement because the reality is people are tuning in for the Rumble matches. Um, okay. And uh, But yeah, and I, I see your point. Um, I, I think, yeah, because of what was going to happen with the through storyline of what happens to each of the individuals it's taken, um, then it makes sense. But I, I get your point. Um, but they were always going to finish with the big rock main event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's the uh, rock show after all. Yeah, he, he coined the phrase which got that. Absolutely. That phrase is still in the dictionary. Yeah. But yeah, Kane comes out, and obviously fans are really hot for Kane since he came back. They want to see him kick Triple H's ass. I think, oh, he's actually going to take the title. And you, you realise that the fans will probably pop as soon as Kane, if Kane won, then soon we are like, oh, but we don't want him very get a check, we want to triple H for the because we want to see get the check and murder. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, that's the other thing, and it? That's, you know, there was obviously only going to be one outcome of this match. Uh-huh. And so you've got like, Kane kind of no-sells a lot, kind of like a, like a big guy he is, does the usual like, dive and closing up the top of the spot room at the end, where Triple H takes a flip up off the end, table on the floor. So Kane is very dominant for the short period, so good on Triple H for at least give, giving Kane a lot in the short period that the match actually happened for. Because it kind of just gets thrown out after DX come out and attack uh, like Paul Bear. They, Kane gets out with a low blow, and they basically don't so much like grab Paul Bear and drag him to the back as he expects. They start just punching him, and he starts like almost doing a one-sided brawl with, with X-Pop, where Paul Bear gets hit and then kind of stumbles his way and in the same direction they happen to be going until Kane comes to make the save and he and Paul Bear are thrown in the, the baggy section of the DX Express and the DX Express just drives away with both of them inside it and then comes back later on and no word as to where it took them and this is the I talk about how DX got back together in October this is the third kidnap angle they've done since they got back together <laughs> I have a theory that they took them to uh, parts unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's it. You know, which which Kane it would be quite familiar with, to be honest. You know, he probably felt quite at home. He was all right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the hell the point is because like they had they had this before. Like the first night, the first match, then they got back together. They kidnapped the Rock, only for the Rock to come back the next same night. They then kidnapped Test and lead up to. Armageddon, only for Vince to demand him be returned that he was, and then they do this and like stuff him in this in this bus, and like you know, I think both in Kiev and reality, what the guy driving the bus is thinking because this guy's probably just a regular uh, bus driver who's been brought in <laughs> as an extra for this, but just paid by. Because he probably doesn't even watch wrestling. And you in Kiev, you the idea of like, oh yeah, we're gonna kidnap these guys. Can you just drive them to? I'm assuming some big mass grave or something. We've got for our enemies and just we're gonna bury them this hole, leave them out in the middle of nowhere and just come back, you know, for the by the end of midway through the show, you know, hurry back. So because he kind of driven far away because he's back within a couple of ad segments. I hope they gave him a bloody good tip. Oh, they, I hope they did. I bet they didn't. 
I bet they didn't. I bet they're tight-fisted bastards. I mean, you see they're at the back stations when they're in like, the locker. They've always got like like plates of food and veggies and all that. Like They spend mm-hmm. all their money on the food and that. Like, they can't be afforded to... Uh, you, you, don't, you, never, you very rarely see them eating it. That's just for sure. <laughs> they're, just, they're just there to like, rub it in people's faces. Not literally, mm-hmm. but, well, maybe. Well, I'm not even going to eat any of them. I'm just going to throw it all away. Yeah. Look at this, peasants. I have food that I don't even want to eat. <laughs> uh, he says, no, as, he, as, he from, use, uh, as he uses a $100 bill to light a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but from kidnapping and... Uh, from kidnapping and, you know, wasting food, we have Kurt Angle. What's the bigger the crime, really? I mean, in the great grand scheme of things, what's the bigger crime? <laughs> I know. But we have Kurt Angle coming out talking about what happened on Raw, where he uh, got into a, thing, a fight with Jericho in China because uh, Kurt came out on Raw claiming that things in Europe have gotten better since he's been European champion. He said crime is down, morale is up and all that. And then he thought about how bad things have been in the US since Chris Jericho became the Intercontinental Champion. And so he challenges them to a match at No Way Out for the Intercontinental title. And then he shows a picture of China on the Tonight Show and thought about how she's an embarrassment because of the outfit she wore. Uh, out comes Jericho. He, says, he calls Angle a special Olympic jackass and then gets into a bit of a brawl with, uh, gets into a bit of a brawl with Angle the crowd booze when the referee try to break it up. Then China makes the return and DDT's angle on the outside with the camera just manages to catch, but they, no matter how many times they replay it, they can't hide the fact that they almost missed it. <laughs> well, the thing is, I find that with China, um, you shouldn't treat her like a woman uh, and no, don't treat her like not. a man. We're also meant to treat her like we know her. So the question is, how really do you treat China? I mean, I... <sighs> I'm going, to be, I'm going to choose my words very carefully for the dear departed China, but I would say very care, very cautiously. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love China's bazooka. Always love China's bazooka. Uh, pyro bazooka is amazing. I want a pyro bazooka. I want a bazooka that fires fireworks. <laughs> and I think that'd be a hell of a way to start my services on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Ali, Ali, you've got an excuse to use I mean, an average life, I don't know how people would wear that today, come in the kitchen. I think there's always reasons, you know. Uh, hey, honey, I've uh, I've just done the washing up. <laughs> yeah! You know, it's like, imagine now you can fix that giant hole in our ceiling because you just shot it with like a... <laughs> I just did a shit! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, there's only one of a number of reasons that you could use it. <laughs> what are your reasons uh, for using a bazooka? Please let us know at rogue underscore opinion. <laughs> yeah. If you had a pyro bazooka, when would you use it and why? <laughs> We're or which co- covering all the big topics today. <laughs> or what would you rather have? China's giant bazooka gun or the flamethrower that the rock used to set his name on fire at Mania 32. <laughs> oh no, the pyro bazooka, definitely. <laughs> oh. But as for China, yeah, she's, uh, she's back, she's fighting Kurt Angle on uh, Raw, so Kurt Angle's really endearing himself to everybody, because first he's attacking 
the elderly last week, and then he's getting into spouts with China here. Hey, even even though he attacked an elderly lady who's pregnant, he's still a role model, okay? He is. He definitely is. And he says what happened with having China with GDT them on Raw. He said there were children all over Europe crying because they saw their European champion being assaulted. And he reassures all the fans in Europe that he's okay. And he reassures everyone that he will become the Intercontinental Champion at No Way Out. And out comes China. And I think China, as I've said in the past, uh, very much depends on who she's in the ring of the quality of her matches. So it does go what you said. You had to treat her very cautiously. And Kurt actually does a decent job with China. He takes her down the map fairly quickly. You know, she actually, mm-hmm. China actually gets uh, him in an arm lock, but then gets the ropes. And he, 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 took, he, took, he took her down quicker than X Pack. <laughs> oh, no comment. <laughs> Angle just launched all the ropes. But uh, ends in a very cheap DQ because Angle actually, I think, could have got a decent match out China if they got in a bit longer. But they need to like, use China to help advance the story between him and Jericho. So he uses the European title on the outside for a blatant DQ. And as he goes to assault China even more, Jericho comes out to save, to save her because apparently they're, they've got a mutual respect, according to Michael Cole, or maybe they're shagging, according to a Jerry Lawler. Both conflicting theories on commentary. I mean, I, I'm 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 surprised that it was Jerry Lawler that put that theory out there. I, I thought I thought higher of him. I thought he was more of a a stand-up guy. You know, for him to say something that's quite clearly perverted and and uh, you know. Horny is is a bit of a shock. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Stand up guy. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, just, I just had to laugh when I heard him coming out with you like this because like this happened a lot in the WF. Like even as as recent as 2017 when Selena Vega and Andrade first got together in NXT as a group, where like yeah, commentary suggesting what is the nature of this relationship between these two, like. A man and a woman. Are you sure they're not sleeping together? Didn't you know, Scott, that men and women can't be friends? Like, how long have you been watching wrestling? Women are all bitches and slag each other off. I mean, you're watching 2000s wrestling. Are you learning nothing? (laughs) You know, all they care about is hair and other people's men. Um... And and men are superior to them. They're stronger. They're fitter. And 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 you know, it, the the basically women are only good for one thing. Is what we're being told here. No, remember, James is just stating the opinions of the same. If you're still <laughs> there about what he said, you're still you're still up there about what he said. Please send all your uh, opinions, all your comments to at Callum H two thousand, and he will be sure to pass them along. <laughs> The views of James Wolford do not represent the views of this podcast. Anyway, so what I'm only shitting. But that's that's the that's the attitude though, isn't it? That's the you know that's the mentality. Like it's crazy. Uh-huh. But you know, that's one of the problems with going back and watching old wrestling. Uh, my seven year old son's just started to get into it. Um he wanted to what did we watch? Oh, we watched the 2008 Royal Rumble because I thought, oh, it would be really, really cool to sit him down and watch a Rumble uh, in preparation for the weekend. And he really, really enjoyed it. So after that, like the next day, we watched the men's Royal Rumble from 2000 and then the women's one. He was really into the men's one. He was very not. He was he was like literally in tears at how dominant Brock was being. It's like, it's boring, Daddy. I don't want to watch it. Ah, 
I can't believe it. I'm like, I just, just, I'm, I'm sat there thinking, I know what happens. It's going to be fine. Just persevere. And then obviously when he got eliminated, he was delighted. Um, but uh, I was thinking the other day, like, it's going to be a long time before he watches anything from the Attitude Era. <laughs> <laughs> he was asking yeah, me like what my favourite matches are and I'm like well we could probably watch one but I'd have to find one that isn't the TLC match from Wrestlemania 17 that's absolutely chaotic and full with blood and chair shots and stu- stupid stuff that isn't very safe that I don't really want him to be practising on his sister isn't it amazing how many uh, wrestlers that we have on the roster now in the last few years who have basically said oh so and so grew up a lifelong fan, so and so used to wrestle with their friends, and yet they would have been watching this year where you had constant ads of, please, don't try this at home. <laughs> well, no, I know. I mean, I've had to break kayfabe with him to, in order to sort of to, to try and stop him from doing it at home. Because <laughs> I'm like, they're not, mm-hmm. you know, they're trained, but they're not really, you know, they're friends really and, and whatever. Because um, otherwise, because I mean, he's, he's seven and my, my daughter's four and he's a big seven year old. She's a little four year old. Um, so she always comes off worse in that. I know. I had a trampoline for a long time growing up. So I was like, there is some fan. I, I took a full advantage of that. But my brother had a gross, my older brother had his gross for long before I did. So whenever we were wrestling on the bloody trampoline, it was like the big show throwing a bit Crash Holly whenever we were trying to wrestle. And I, even when I tried to be Kane, I was still like the shortest Kane you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, the other the other issue that I've I've got here is that my wife Annette does not like wrestling. So, um, like, I every time he starts acting it out, I'm like, oh no, she's going to ban it. She's going to ban it. And I actually quite like having somebody to watch wrestling with. Um, so I'm kind of like, you know, try to play carefully, play it smooth, you know, keep it smooth, guys, keep it smooth. Anyway, next segment. <laughs> yeah, next segment, anyway, we've got, after fights through the weeds there, we have uh, Mark Henry backstage with the APA, oh, Aston so Protect Me Young. Uh, also, this is the debut of The Door, which uh, Bailey just brought back for her Ding Dong Hollow talk show. <laughs> with the, the, the big door frame, and uh, you can easily go around it, but they insist on having people go through the door. And uh, he pays them to watch Mae Young because he's got to go deal with the Hollies. And Mae Young asks to play cards and she takes some money off the out of her sweater. And uh, so market Bradshaw's like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll happily take money off an old pregnant lady. Deal the cards, Ron. Hmm. Oh, we'll sit back in with them several times over the show. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I love she, she proper hustled these guys. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Also, we had uh, the uh, we had Operation Sandman talked about in the last episode. Now that big TV film with Hargall in it being advertised on UPN, and honestly, being on UPN, they have to advertise a bunch of different shows. So coming back from break, we hear the tail end of them advertising a new game show called "I Dare You: The Ultimate Challenge," and what well, it seems about these over the top like stunt shows that's happening on, on a that's happening on UPN. So I tried to look this up. It was literally the bare minimum of information available about this show. Other than it went for one season, I can't think why. And to hear part of the this example that of a extreme son of Gerald is a guy trying to land a plane on a truck or something. And I like reason some of these episode descriptions like here. A stunt driver topples five upright cars rigged with gas bombs. Motorcycle jumps through a wall of fire. Like it's just one of the mad shows for 
people who are like people potentially like getting themselves killed. <laughs> yeah, it sounds amazing. Um, wonder why that didn't last. Yeah, literally, that is the briefest Wikipedia page I've ever seen. The Wikipedia page is considered as a American television game show which aired on UPN in 2000, and then doesn't come up with a description. It just comes up with a bunch of links at the bottom. Tells you how long it lasted for. That's at the end. So there you go. Like, I can have a feeling it's one of these shows that networks uh, constantly advertise and then ultimately becomes a flop because you see those types of shows all the time. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, this is the kind of dedication and detail that you get here on, on Rogue Opinions. I, I've got to be honest, if, if we were covering this over the Undisputed Wrestling Podcast, you wouldn't be getting any of that because we wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, I tried to bring you something. Again, like I said, like, you try Googling this show and you'll find just about as much information as I did on this. I mean, at least, He's doing at least the hard be- work for you, ladies and gents. He's doing the hard work so you don't have to. At least on Operation Salmon, they had a long-ass IMDb description to go through. But that's neither here nor there. We've got here. We have the ultimate underdog, that plucky overachiever. It's Taz taking on Gangrel. Speaking, speaking of sad stories... <laughs> oh, again, like I don't like to see this, but every time Gangrel has a match in SmackDown, I'm like, oh, good for him. He's still employed. Because like, I'm sure he gets fat, he, he gets let go sometime in 2000. I can't remember when. But Taz basically does what he should have been doing all along with people, and he absolutely destroys Gangrel. Really ducks a close it's a backdrop. Counters a Imperial DDT attempt into the Northern Lights Suplex for. The Aurora Borealis suplex, as someone should have called it by now. Uh, forearms to the face, ducks the clothesline, locks in the Taz mission. You know, I mean, Gangrel's pretty much dead in the water, and Taz is quickly on his way down there. But it was a nice to see him actually look dominant for a week. Can I just check with you, Scott? When is this podcast going out? Uh, this usually we try to make this uh, like at the weekend. Right, so by that point, you can go to our podcast feed and check out an interview with the director of Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies. Um, and in it, he gives a, an exclusive bit of a bit of a scoop about a future project that he's working on uh, with Pro Wrestlers vs. another people of the undead. Um, and I'm 90% certain that he does give it away that he's talking about Pro Wrestlers vs. Vampires. Now, if, if that film does get the go-ahead, and I'm very much optimistic that it will... Surely he's got to get Gangrel in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I the mean... guy's literally a zombie, uh, a vampire. Like, he's got to, he's got to have Gangrel or Kevin Thorne in there, or both, at some yeah. point. Has to happen. I mean, that was a great interview, by the way. Please make sure you check that out because it, it's really interesting, especially if you've seen the film. I don't, and if you I haven't don't seen know. the film, watch it because it's hilarious. It's bad. I don't know if you're aware of the story, but like. I'm pretty sure it was like, like in 2006, Gangrel got hired for a week before being let go again. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the plan was, because ECW would have been relaunched at this time, that he was meant to do something with Gang- with, uh, with uh, Kevin Thorne and Ariel. And like, I'm sad that we didn't get that, because you yeah. know, I would have loved this, the eventual reveal of like, no, Kevin Thorne, I am your father. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, vampire angles though, they always tend to suck. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I remember Chamir all week. <laughs> Try the veal. <laughs> um right, uh yeah, no, um 
Yeah, Gangrel has a cool entrance, and that's it. I love Luna, though. Luna's ace. Yeah. So, Taz definitely gets a dark one. I mean, I'd like to see uh, Gangrel in that movie, like, if the guy's doing a fault, because, honestly, I mean, as I said, he's, he's had his career in porn, but uh, I doubt many say, you know what he's doing now, don't you? <laughs> yeah. You, you know, he, it's unlikely he's, he's getting much work done during the pandemic, so, you know, he's probably got some free time. But moving <laughs> on. <laughs> He's also got free time as the AP and May Young who continue a uh, well, I, yeah, I've put in my fun. notes that we got we go to the uh Cactus Jack interview next. Oh yeah, yeah sure. so we do. Well I'll mention the May Young thing anyway because it's literally like a, a sentence alone here in my notes. She basically she says I just want to show that I'm paying attention, you yeah. yeah, good for you. Gold <laughs> <Old> star. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, gonna get my bazooka out. I've got a gold star. <laughs> <laughs> so she puts her, her cards in. She doesn't. Re- she acts like she doesn't realise that she's got a good hand. But uh, they're like, oh damn, Andy. So she beats them at a hand of poker, and she's clearly hustling them, as you said. Yeah, we go to Captain Jack. He talks about also all the damage that he's taken over the years and how fucked up he is. Pretty sure Mick Foley's like uh, he's mid thirty, like thirty five at this time, and. It's clearly had a rough career so far, obviously, because I thought he was much older at this point. Hmm. He, he does say he can't really make any guarantees that he'll win, but he does make a promise to dive off the cell, but to go flying off the cell one more time, but it won't be an unstable. I go crashing through, it'll be Triple H's body. And this is where Cactus Jack immediately doomed his own match at No Way Out, because, spoiler there is a spot outside of the cage but Mick Foley himself said he didn't feel like the crowd cared about a match with him to wage until they went outside the cell because also they had expectations of the last time Foley was involved in a cell match. And I think he immediately doomed because as soon as he said that, the fans were like, OK, they're going to go up on the cell at some point in the match. Yeah. And so basically collectively just waited for that spot to happen. Well, I think, I can't remember where I mentioned this last time on the podcast, but like Mick Foley single-handedly made and broke the... Uh, spell on the cell because people's expectations you know yeah. everyone expects especially from a Mick Foley Hell in a Cell that they're going to go up to the top and do some crazy shit and until they do do that no one cares yeah you, you made that point last time and I, yeah. I, I thoroughly agree with you I think I think I think this this further evidence you know shows it that yeah but like, I mean yeah. Cactus Jack I fucking love Cactus Jack promos um, I love Mick Foley promos generally, but that's just something about Cactus Jack. Man, if, as I'm sure I said last time, if it wasn't for the fact that early Mankind is amazing, um, I think um, I think Cactus Jack would be my favourite Foley. Because the way he puts these promos together as his Cactus Jack character is incredible. I love it so much. It's a brilliant promo. Yeah, going back to like, the Hell of a Cell, I, I totally agree about cause, like You can't even do a show or like do anything like Helen uh, Cell related when you talk about like looking back on the history of the match or the best moments without mentioning the uh, the Foley bump from the eight. If you don't, then it feels like a, a glaring omission. But if you but, do, but it, that's that. Well, yeah, because that's the problem. You know, you Helen Cell interview, and then everyone's going, "Oh, look at these crazy moments from Helen Cell." But you know, they're not going to be able to do anything like that. Yeah, but then, like, but then, uh, if you do mention it, then you're like, "Well, what the hell do we say?" Because it's been shown to death. Oh and, yeah. I know that um, when I went to see Foley Talk Live um, as part of the Inside the Ropes Undertaker tour, 
uh, where Undertaker unfortunately wasn't able to fulfil his promise of being able to do an interview, so Mick Foley stepped in. Um, you know, he, he himself is a bit like, what else can I say about the match? Because I've talked about it a lot. Fortunately, he does quite often find new things to say and, and whatever, and even the stuff that you've heard before is always engaging because it's who he is. But yeah, it is played to death. Um thing about Kaiser's Jet that I, I I love is the fact that he is so menacing and scary, yet ultimately quite human as well. So he manages to balance, you know, vulnerability and being scary extremely well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fair. It's fun. It's fair how much Mick Foley has to say about it and how much he's managed to say about it, even though he freely admits that he's had to go back and watch it a few times before really remembering anything because obviously the, the nature of the bumps, he couldn't remember like the majority of the match after that happened or as it was happening. Uh, but looking at these promos, uh, I do agree that Kachak is where he's more intense persona since, so he's really stepped up the promo since he made a return to that persona in 2000. But for me, like my main takeaway from the promo was the fact that he mentioned this spot, which ultimately it created a certain expectation for the Hell in a Cell match, which I think played into it negatively. But because like, I think with Hell in a Cell, people associate with big spots like with Mick Foley did, forgetting the fact that the first ever Hell in a Cell with Taker and Michaels actually got five stars. And so you can actually do a lot more with the Hell in a Cell and actually put on a, a good match with a compelling story around it. But obviously people think, before that, people think, oh look, Mick Foley flying off the top. Uh, and then he turns his attention to X-Pac, saying, basically because like, I don't care about X-Pac, but he'll happily kick X-Pac's teeth down his throat. Which... More Which, to be fair, yeah, nobody else cares about Xbox either, so, you know, yeah, he's no. not alone there. Like, like, I don't care about Xbox, and then he goes, I'll kick his teeth down to the fans, like, Mick, he had us, I don't care about Xbox, we all hate him as well. And speaking of which, it's just as well, because that match is up next, it's Xbox versus Cactus Jack, and a hardcore match, and, you know, he lays in the punches as they're running knee in the car, and they're like, Hedja, I love it. Mick Foley, they both take a tumble over the top rope. Xbox does a chair shot, but, you know, he's had too many of these chair shots over the years that it doesn't affect them anymore. Cactus Jack is a chair type Pokemon. <laughs> and he goes after Xbox, sending him over the announce table. Oh, Xbox takes an unprotected chair shot right to the head. Looks very brutal. Uh, Bronco Buster, but Cactus Jack is a big belt right to the balls. Sends with them in the post, but then Xbox makes an escape, lures them out to the parking lot, and Kattachek clearly doesn't watch the show because he gets he, the same fate befalls him as what happened to Kane and Paul Bear. And as I said earlier, the fact that the bus is back so soon has to show that he didn't take them that far. Yeah, I don't care. It's so stupid. Like, uh, uh, as soon as. As soon as it happened to Kane, you had a feeling that it was going to happen to everybody else, and then obviously it does, and he just left going, I don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry, just don't. Like, like I mean, if you if you, if you if you look for plot holes as well in wrestling, like you could be there all day. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was bizarre what they did with Kane and Paul Bear, but then I didn't expect them to do the exact same thing with Curtis Jack, and so like, it made like the main event even more predictable about what was going to happen. <laughs> and again, it made me think because I've been watching this from the beginning. It's like, what is DX's obsession with fucking kidnapping? <laughs> I mean, really, they should be like the Repo Man, you know? 
I'm like, honestly, let's get a new hobby, honestly. <laughs> maybe, they, that, maybe that's it. Maybe they were big fans of Repo Man in, in uh, when they were growing up, you know. Well, somebody had to be. How rude. So <laughs> fair. I'm sorry to, be, to have offended anyone. But do your things. Barry, Barry, if you're listening, we're sorry. <laughs> uh, big Barry. He loves the Banter Munich podcast, does Barry. Uh, too cool and the radicals of time represented by Paris and Jim Lenko. Talking about things I'm already sick of. Uh, so many variations in this match. We're already going to have a, a six man tag at No Way out of Benoit, Saturn Malenko versus Rikishi and Too Cool because Eddie is also still medically unclear to, to compete with uh, his arm injury. But like so many variations of this same match has already happened. Like, and not saying it's a bad match, but like, it was already. Like getting very repetitive of like mm. sort of reverse suplex, very grandmaster sexy. Uh, Lenko and Saren taking out and working over. Too cool, actually hit some good double team moves as a double drop kick. Sending Lenko into Harry Saren in the corner. But uh, Eddie Guerrero gets involved again. It's uh, Scott Hoy with a ridge behind the rest back to give the Radicals the win. So again, still not winning cleanly. And then Rikishi comes down limping after he got the wrench on Raw and is again attacked by the Radicals, and he was meant to face Eddie Guerrero on the show, but they take him out and do further damage to his leg, so as Rikishi's being helped into the ambulance, uh, Eddie Guerrero goes back to the ring and basically says to the ring announcer, please declare me the winner by forfeit, and he celebrates as if he just won the world title. I love that. Uh, yeah. Big fan of cheap victories being celebrated like the like you're the big, big cheese. Yeah, I mean, Eddie, just in that small like segment, is uh, just showing why he, just by that example, that he's the most charismatic member of the Radicals. He doesn't have to even do that much to prove it. No, I mean, he's not able to even be in the ring, and he's already more over than the other guys. <laughs> you know? uh, Love me some Eddie. Of course, we all do. And. Well, like I said, like the match, the tag team match, there wasn't really anything like wrong with it. Obviously, being part of a heel group with Eddie on the outside, of course they weren't going to win cleanly. But like we've seen them on SmackDown and like variations of like different matches, and then also they had the, the Monroe as I recapped earlier, and also then this happened. So it's very much same uh, new variations of the same shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know my feelings about Too Cool anyway I mean I, I like Scotty Too Hardy but Grandmaster Sexy used to wind me up so in chronic they're good at dancing and they are over and I get that and that's fine um, but this match was predictable and not particularly great I'll be honest I mean it was fairly it was alright but it was again predictable um, then you know we got the slowest save in the history of the world Right. Uh, I do love that Rikishi's coming down like the radicals are mocking him as he's on his way to the ring. He still managed yeah. to make a good effort before he gets eventually taken out. But I think my other issue with the radicals being so heavily featured, like even it's good for them getting such a spot when they come in the when they just came out of the company, but it's just their music is so crowded down there and there. Like here comes the radicals and the generic music. <laughs> it's like, we it's have to make something really quick because we got these guys and fuck it, this'll do. Yeah, that'll do you. Uh, also, Jim Johnson probably clocked off at five 
and got told the rifles were coming at 4.45 and was told, throw something together, we need these guys, these guys are debuting tomorrow, we need something in 15 minutes. I feel like if Jim Johnson gave a fuck, he could do something in that time, but he don't give a fuck about the radicals. Well, I, mean, I mean, that goes to the idea of shift, you don't give a fuck. Yeah, but I think I feel like even a, an undermotivated Jim Johnson could do something. Better than uh, that. I think he just didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna. I, I, I'm just making my own. Now I'm making my own narrative now, uh, folks. You know, making my own storylines up. I'm just thinking at that time of the year, that goes to you have to thinking. I want no new responsibilities. I want to do as little as possible and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, that that music is just so crap. Uh, and we've got The Rock backstage. So about things that go together well, like peanut butter and jelly. The big show and... Rah, rah, rah. I Anyways. love that. So funny. Love yeah. that. <laughs> and another thing that goes together well is The Rock and WrestleMania. And I was like, guarantees that he'll, uh, he'll win it. No, yeah. He says that he doesn't need the big show as his partner tonight. And he says if the big show does bother to come down the ring, he'll lay the smack down on him as well. So The Rock basically intends on his way to WrestleMania just to, oh yeah, I'll just win the tag titles by myself. Well, you know, I mean, he's not stupid. He knows what's coming. Yeah, He knows that the big show ain't going to be helping him. I think he does say that people are his partner anyway. So, I mean, yeah. everybody in the audience gets to take home one half of the tag belt. They all, they all get like split custody. You know, they all get like half an hour with the belt. I think that's fair. I mean, you know. I mean, if if Braun Strowman can choose Nicholas out of the crowd, you know, why not just have all of them? Uh, somebody clearly before WrestleMania was watching an old Rock Strowman and said, the people, he's finally, imagine the people being your partner in a tag title match. <laughs> well, imagine if we did that, literally, yeah. At WrestleMania, of all things. Yeah. Uh, and then we got Mae Young backstage. She, she drinks a beer, uh, which the she takes one of their beers, which JP don't see her problem with. But then she has a cigar and then runs him and brings up the fact that she's pregnant. So they're like, oh yeah, drink as much as you want, but please don't smoke that cigar. Uh, yeah, you're not supposed to inhale. <laughs> yeah, she's more for inhale, and then she looks and like, what? And he's like, who the fuck is this woman? <laughs> oh, being the pointless. It. Oh yeah. But, uh, you know, it's fun. Uh, yeah, that was fun. But this wasn't because you got Agent Grisham against, against Prince Albert and the boss man. And yeah, yeah. you may not be familiar with this, but these two were a team for quite a while. But after Armageddon, they started building to them uh, breaking up, which no one gave a fuck about. They finally gave, they finally broke up and had a match, which I didn't give a fuck about. And now they've been thrown back together again for reasons. Ladies and gents, just bear this in mind that one of the gentlemen in this room is now the head trainer at the WWE Performance Centre. A fact that I can never quite get my head around. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm sure he's a very good trainer, but equally, like, if, I, if I'm if I'm somebody, especially if I'm somebody that's coming in from the independents, made a bit of a name for myself, he's a pretty good professional person in the ring, and I'm being told stuff about how to be better from Albert. I mean, you know, it's a lesson in humility there. I mean, that man's had a long story career. He went from being a prince to a lord in just a decade. Hey, 
Uh, we, we watched. Oh, what did we watch? Oh, we watched the 2013 Rumble because that's the year that Edward was born. So he said, "Oh, can we watch that one?" I was like, "Yeah." I didn't remember anything about it. And then Tensai came out, and I was like, "Oh man, it was such a bad Rumble, full <laughs> of jobbers. Like it's really not a good Rumble." No, no, no. I don't really fondly remember that Rumble either. Other than like Kane holding out Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan still putting back of the ring, King going, "Nap," and just drops. Yeah. Him. That's that's it. That's the best bit. Uh, yeah, that's the one good bit of that rumble. But yeah, these two just throwing back together. They even look at each other. They could not be arsed to be together. They look just glaring at each other like a couple who don't like get divorced because the children are like do you better not fucking start anything, Albert? Not in front of the Waynes. <laughs> but then Albert gets the loud shave your back chance, which would follow him for much of his career until he went to Japan, where he clearly learned. Uh, Edge manages to avoid a power slam. He gets into the the ring post by the big boss man. Reverse DT, uh, the spirit of the boss man, and he's uh, had a sunset flip with a drop kick assist. Uh, Edge Christian have done a few times in the past. Edge Christian get the win because I don't know they're the t- actually a competent team, so they went well. We'll have these two on the show. The people like them, and then the heels who had no reason to be there in the first place get annoyed that they lost and beat them down afterwards because, you know, they had to get what little heat they even had back. Yeah, it's just, it's still weird. I said this last time, but it's still weird seeing Edge and Christina's faces. Um, but yeah, nobody really cares about uh, <laughs> Albert and Big Boss Man. To the great surprise yeah. of, well, nobody. Yeah, like they were together like two, two and a bit months and it shows how little people like, cared about them given the fact that they were, they were together for a certain amount of time like Hedges have been together for as little time, but for a lot less than they were, and they've already got a tag name. They never gave them each to a tag team name. They're always just the boss man and Prince Albert. Like, well, what would you call them? Tattoo guy and the cop, piercing guy and <laughs> the cop. Yeah, piercing guy and the cock ring, cock ring and the cock, cop. Ah. Uh-huh. Pierce Times, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Harcock. There you go. Har- there you go. <laughs> Let us know at Rogan Square Fane. Where? What tight team name would you give the boss man and Prince Albert? <laughs> I'll get, I'm going to spend far too long on this. It's going to be one of those things that annoys me. <laughs> James will get a message at like 2 in the morning just like, I've got one. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And I'll ignore it. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> but right next stage, Mae Young wins all the money from the APA. They're annoyed about it. She offers to give them all it back if they do her a favour, and she follows them. And as they go away, they're looking at each other kind of awkwardly as Brad Judge takes the money and stuffs as much of it as he can into his pockets. Yeah. Are we, are we, it's great. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if that's part of his whole book. Because I'm pretty sure Bradshaw like brought out a book about finance and like investing. Tip number one: if you see a big pile of money that an old woman won off you, stuff as much of it in your pockets as possible. Tip number two: don't play cards with an old woman. <laughs> She's clearly hustling you. <laughs> <coughs> but then uh, we have Bart Kearney taking on the Holly cousins. Uh, and uh, no DQ handicap match. It's not been a good time for the for the Hollies. 
because uh, something I should mention, I would actually recommend this because I was have shit on Raw for like being feeling very samey for certain uh, for certain things like the DX and Radicals thing. There was a really good match on this uh, the Raw before this. I would recommend checking out. SC Rios appeared and defended the light heavyweight title against Crash Holly. You had Lita getting involved and Hurricane Rise on the outside on Crash while Hardcore and Dear Lawler laughed at Crash on on hmm. commentary. Estrios retained by Minsot and then Lita hit one of her own and Estrios kind of a pin just to rub it in that Crash lost. And then after the match, Hardcore calls Crash an embarrassment to their family for getting beat up by a woman and calls him Elroy. And then he gets annoyed at Crash further because Crash cost Hardcore Holly a match against Taz almost immediately afterwards. So they're trying to turn their fortunes around here with a good old win against Mark Henry. Well, but also they're they're super heavyweights as well, so you know why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just they're both com- combined. They're both double of what Mark Henry is, so they're oh, easily. Yes. Uh, also, the Hollies get a jump on them, uh, and they beat up Mark for the majority of the match. Mark does the match at a flying dog clothesline. I say flying in the loosest of terms. Uh, <laughs> then there comes me on with the APA because again, it's no DQ. Because the exact same thing that happened with uh, Jericho a week ago. Uh, the APA beat up the Hollies, assisted uh, Powerbomb, Fine Buster, Mark Cameron's like, all right then, and uh, steals the pin, doesn't even bother hitting a splash or anything right before that. Just pins, I think it might have been Crash, it's best as him, it probably was Crash. And uh, Mark Cameron gets the win and celebrates with Mae Young. Yeah, loved it. Fun, like it's always nice when you've got a show that has a, a through uh, through thread, um, and unlike the hey we're going to kidnap people and put them under the bus thread, this was actually a fun one. Yeah, it's weird to think this show has two like running stories. There, one of them involves kidnapping, and one is Mark Henry fighting for the right and the honor of a his elderly girlfriend who then hustles a bunch of men out of their money and then gives it back to them if they beat up the men that disrespected them. Wrestling! Yes, wrestling. And it's time for the main event of the evening. Uh, we have The Rock and The Big Show taking on The New Age Outlaws. Uh, more accurately, it's The Rock taking on The New Age Outlaws because Big Show seemingly heeds The Rock's advice and doesn't come out. Uh, and The Rock is obviously beaten up by The Outlaws for the majority. You know, he gets sent right into the road dog's bit where he puts his foot up in the corner and really gun sends his face right into it. Uh, well, it's a uh, bit where the Rock could easily have won. It's the Rock bottom on Billy Gunn. He starts going one, two, where Rock stunt like an idiot stops the count. Uh, he does a Donald Trump. He stops the count, and I don't like saying the Rock and Donald Trump in the same sentence, but I had to make a joke. Like <laughs> easily could have been one, two, three. Grab the belts and then go up beyond the big show. You had plenty of timing. The big show is not exactly the most mobile person, even at this period. So he had plenty of time. So he goes and gets into a fight with the big show. Then out comes DX. They'll be up. You know where he's going. They try to put him on the bus. And I thought, okay, the Rock's going to fight out or Cactus Jack and Kane are going to reappear somehow. And there's going to be a big brawl in the parking lot to end the show. It'll be mental, but it'll be a decent end to the show. No. Rock seemingly gets put on the bus. DX's music plays, even though they're not in the arena. They all get on the bus. They don't offer to give Big Show a lift. Big Show just waves by. And then they pull out, the camera pans around, and somehow The Rock is behind the big show and hits him with a 2 by 4 And then his music hits, again, despite the fact he's out in the parking lot. And the show goes off air with The Rock seemingly outsmarting everybody 
but somehow they're stopping at milk cartons asking, have you seen Cactus Jack and Kane? <laughs> no, it's... I, I really, Do you know what I was expecting? Because I'd, I'd forgotten how it ended up. I was expecting the bus to come back with uh, Kane and Cactus Jack either driving it or on board. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I wanted the bus to fill up. Uh, they go get in the bus and then suddenly uh, you see Xbox go flying. Because yeah, 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 someone like that, yeah. So like, there's even a spot like, when they try to put Cactus Jack in where, Ke- where Triple H and Cactus Jack awkwardly brawl onto the bus and then brawl off the bus and then put him in the trunk. Like, with the bus driver just casually sitting there the whole time just waiting to drive off. I mean, he's he's seen weird. He's seen weirder stuff before than that. He's, he's done, like, sag holidays to Skegness before, you know. <laughs> he's like, you do not want to know what, what, uh, what Lex Luger got up to and he's at late at night. <laughs> yeah, it's the same driver. He's like, he's just got PTSD at this point. He just mm-hmm. sits there, stares. I just drive the bus. I don't ever look backwards because you never know what you're going to say. Ah, the memories! <laughs> you don't know, man. You weren't even there. <laughs> it's weird. Is it weird that somehow the bus driver might buy MVP of the night, even though he's not done anything? I've just imagined what he might have done. <laughs> Me, Young, and the bus driver. They're my. They're my. Uh, MVPs of the night, you know. And that sounds like a fun children's book. Here's the story of me, young, and the bus driver. Can you imagine, like, um, The Rock, like, going going up to Lost Property at the bus centre afterwards to try and find him? Like, um, yeah, a couple of things got lost and uh, left behind on the bus. Oh, yeah, can you describe them? Yeah, uh, one is a, a overweight man in a wanted T-shirt, um, and one is a uh, huge guy in a mask that likes to set fire to things. Oh, no, nothing's come up. Do they have any extinguishing features? Uh, well, one of them's missing two quarters of an ear. Uh, one of them's got a giant red mask on, and he does come uh, alongside a, a, a portly man with a red jacket who may or may not be his father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, as we said at the start, this was predictable. So. Yeah. You know, The Rock got one over because The Rock, you know, because Big Show is a giant and therefore dumb. But the Rock is smart. I don't know. How, I'll probably give no explanation as to how the Rock even got out of uh, the bus. But what I do, I'm interested to know, Roddy, what is explanation, if any, they give us about they give us about uh, how Kane and Catch uh, get out of there, wherever they went. Yeah. No idea. Nobody. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens on Raw. Um, well, I said that like I'm going to watch it but I mean I'm assuming that there's probably no explanation as to what happens on Raw because this is the sort of stuff that never gets never gets explained uh, yeah, I hesitate to ask because I'm not sure why my answer would be either what, what, what uh, rating would you give the show and is there anything on this show you would recommend people check out if you had to recommend one thing um, so if I was recommending anything check out the May Young segments brilliant Rest of the show, very, very dull, missable. Um, I was not a fan. Um, I would therefore probably show overhaul. Do you know what? I'm going to go for the good old Bret Hart. Four out of ten. <laughs> so that'd be a thumbs down then. That'd be a thumbs down. I can't really argue against that. I think it's kind of a down as well. Uh, my young stuff, yeah, even the Mark Henry match with the Hollies is a bit, it's quite fun. Uh, that's about it. 
Last, last week's last week's show I found quite easy to watch. I quite enjoyed it. It seemed to skip by. This one was a slog. I mean, you're, I don't look at it on this, but your enjoyment of the show depends how much you enjoy kidnapping. If you're invested in kidnapping, then... Well, I, I'm normally invested in kidnapping. I'm a big fan. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's one of my hobbies. Uh, but uh, I, I found the execution of the kidnapping particularly lackadaisical. Mm. Yeah. Left us with so many questions. They didn't even, they didn't even tie anymore. them up. I mean, they don't know what they're doing. They didn't even tie them up or gag them. What kind of kidnappers are these people? I don't know. I mean, you got Kane, who's 300 plus pounds, and you know, one's ripped a door off its hinges. How he didn't bite his way out of the bus almost immediately is beyond me. So, yeah, like the, the wee young stuff for the APA, maybe Eddie uh, getting that one via a fluke over, uh, or like via forfeit over Rikishi is quite fun if you're a fan of obviously of Eddie Guerrero. But that's fair. I mean, when I saw SA Rios, I remember that there's a a match during this time shortly after he wins it where he has a match on SmackDown and title defence against Jeff Hardy and I made a mistake of assuming that that would happen on this week's show because he appeared on Raw but sadly that match wasn't on this week's show because I thought well that would at least give us one good match to talk about but that sadly was not the case I actually really liked Rios when he was I mean I don't think he's been aged well but um, he provided something different which was the roster was sadly lacking uh, at that point, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, uh, I uh, quite enjoyed him back in the day. Yeah, and it was, it was, I like this match uh, with uh, Rash because, like, he gets no pop when he comes out. But like, one of the first moves, he's already hitting like high flying moves, like within the first thirty seconds, and like every big movie hits, the crowd comes alive. Yeah, and, like the pause, especially for Leah hitting the insult because they would have seen anything like that before. And no. so I like to see like the appearances they had together, like the transition of Lita from like how the Valley of S C Rios to like the Lita we know alongside the Hardys and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. No, but, it's interesting going back and looking at that the that when they start you know the early points of the career, it's always fun going back and having a look. Um, seeing how, how quickly and how uh, dramatically things changed over a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'll come to the end of Spider and hopefully we'll have a more interesting go home episode next week before we get to No Way Out but James we mentioned uh, your podcast last week we referenced that a couple of times here like stuff you guys dropped to but just quickly let us know where you, uh, people can check out and what else you guys have got going on so we've got the Undisputed Wrestling Podcast available on all podcast streams. We've just dropped a, a review of the Royal Rumble. If you haven't already listened to enough reviews, then you can find that. Uh, and on Thursday, we dropped uh, the, this interview with Cody Knotts. Um, it actually is a really fascinating interview, especially if you've watched the, the film. If you if you haven't watched the film, I, I still think there's quite a lot to, to get from it about uh, the filmmaking progress process uh, that they went through—it was quite a a, a stressful uh, shoot. They had to do the entire film in 13 days. Um, yeah. A lot of the guys that they got, a lot of the pro wrestlers, like you know your Matt Hardys and your Kurt Angles, they only had for well, Kurt Angle they had for one day. Uh, Matt Hardy they had for three. Um, so they had to just do a lot of stuff on the fly. 
Um, but yeah, some some really good uh, chat about that upcoming projects that he's doing and things. Um, I I do really enjoy doing interviews, so it was it was a fun one. Um, and we will be doing what have we got coming up next. We were we're arranging a quiz for sometime in February, obviously. Um, and then we are doing another review uh, for wrestling with film um, of a film that has got I think. One percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it, it's um, I, the rating is something like that. It's uh, what's it called? Another wrestling love story, something like oh, that. Jesus Christ. Uh, what's it called? Oh, I can't remember Holy what it's shit. called. But just no, yeah, yeah, just another romantic wrestling comedy. It came out in two thousand and six, um, and has a one point four rating uh, out of ten. Uh, stars China vaguely, loosely. This film looks like not only bad, um, but kind of also deeply, deeply offensive. So, um, yeah, it should be fun. <laughs> so, subscribe to the podcast. Really, that's like a really bad TV film. Um, yeah, mate, this is bad. There's like, there's so many bad stereotypes and accent work going on um, that it, it 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 it's it's probably going to be the worst film that we reviewed, um, and hopefully we can make something fun out of it uh, in in terms of the review. I think that will generally be the case. The the this new series of wrestling films has been one of the highlights uh, for me. Uh, certainly recently uh, it's been a lot of fun to do um, but yeah you can find us uh, just by searching for us anywhere you can get your podcasts on Spotify iTunes anywhere else you can find me on Twitter at Undisputed Rev and you can find my wonderful group at the podcast on at the UW podcast mm-hmm. very good uh, you can follow us here at Program Score Opinion again let us know what would the boss man and Prince L would be called if he bothered to give them a tag team name. I'm interested in one now. Uh, you can check out all the past episodes of the Rogue Retrospective review with other guests. You can check out James's other episode if you haven't said it already. I don't know why you wouldn't because we've made several references to it already. <laughs> listen, so, I'm, listen, I told you I'm a big fan of Big Foley. Cheap plugs. <laughs> Definitely. And you can check out uh, Master Debaters finally made a return after a long absence where me, Jim and Nathan got together answering the big question. Like, can people who cut the cross off their bread be trusted? And who ultimately would win in a fight between the Billion Lions at one of every of the one the original 151 Pokemon? It must, I don't think I've argued harder for anything in my entire life. And <laughs> by the time you the Rumble, by the time this is out, uh, me and Jimmy and Nathan's uh, Royal Rumble review will hopefully be out. Hopefully it won't have to be broken up into two parts, like the 2020 review. We can keep it working safe because Nathan, I don't think, has watched wrestling. He took a break about Hell in a Cell and so he tuned back in for the rumble and he didn't even know who Reggie was Big Reggie the Somalier was oh. so that was a fun thing to film and film in about you know you know oh. he's a he's a former performer, performer for Cirque du Soleil of course obviously Cirque du Somalier yeah so, so yeah <laughs> uh, which makes a lot yeah. of sense because he's extremely athletic mm-hmm yeah, you can also follow me at Scott McLeod in Remember, uh, check everything else that we've got here at Rogue Opinions, like uh, Master Pierce, Naked Band Podcast, Banter Munich, and all the other good stuff. Uh, follow all my other podcasts, Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast, at SP Rally on Twitter, or uh, In Your House, 
Sykes Rage in the Cage review should be out press and uh, follow Sleep Subletry at Subletry. I'm doing a lot of good stuff for them as well. I'm just a very busy man, but like I said, you got to fill up the lockdown with something because mm-hmm. it doesn't look like, in Scotland especially, we're not going to start easing people back to normal until at least early March, so got to do something. Absolutely. There's only so much uh, Pornhub you can watch. What, sorry? <laughs> <laughs> You'll be surprised what comes up when you type in Gangrel. <laughs> Specialises in sucking. <laughs> oh, uh, there's good as well he's on this episode of SmackDown. Uh, it's been fun to talk to you about it, even if the uh, quality was kind of lacking in the actual show we were given. But James, uh, thank you again for joining me over no these last No problem at all. Absolute pleasure to be on. Uh, and we'll be trucking along with a uh, new co-host uh, next week and going forward into we've got some uh, fun co-hosts lined up for no way out so stay tuned for that but until then goodbye bye bye you think you know me you think you know me